mindfulness mode. You will experience and transform your life into the most beautiful, peaceful, loving, kind state of experience, no matter what's going on in the world around you. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I'm here today with the author of the book, A Higher Road, a seven-step process to inner peace, joy, love, abundance, and prosperity. I'm here with D. Neil Elliott. So, Neil, are you in mindfulness mode today? Uh, absolutely. I, I try and work in mindfulness mode every moment of the day. I'm not always successful, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I can tell from your book that that is one of your goals, that you're very mindful, very uh, considered about living in a mindful way. So, well, tell us what mindfulness means to you. You know, uh, mindfulness means to be conscious of every thought that you're having. And when you slip and you're into that uh, subconscious responses to people, when someone maybe mentions it or challenges it in however they challenge it um, for you to actually become mindful of oh did I actually just say it that way and that's the impact that I have on somebody else and uh, you know I need to try see what I can do to resolve that issue make clarity on that issue and it, and it's a you know I'm a work in progress <laughs> well I sure am too that's for sure yes and aren't we all yeah, well, it was fascinating to read your book and and to, well, there's a lot in there about you and your background and the life that you led. Tell me what took you to the point, and I know this is a huge question, but to the point where you wanted to record this, you wanted to write this book, you wanted to make it available to the world. Uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll keep this short for people, but let me give everybody context. So born in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and I've lived in across Canada my entire, you know, throughout my life uh, and traveled the world. And I'm currently 62 years old. So born in 1960, uh, married, three kids, five grandkids, second wife, uh, three kids between us and five grandkids. And I'm a professional engineer and an MBA. So what happened in short is from 2002 to 2015, I slowly drove myself, I was in the corporate world, and I slowly drove myself into this really deep and dark, despondent um, <clears throat> depression. And uh, in 2015, I recognized I was there. Excuse me. <clears throat> I recognized I was there and um, no one knew I was in this state. You know, we're, we're, we're all great actors in our environment, right? We, we wear this facade, we project whatever we want to project. So my wife didn't know, my family didn't know, certainly my clients didn't know. And um, I, I thought I need to somehow uh, get myself out of this funk. And if you, and if you read A Higher Road, you're going to understand that, um, you know, I tried this in the 90s as well, but uh, to keep it short. So I picked up some newly issued spiritual books. I picked up some science books in 2015. And I started to read to try and get, you know, concepts of uh, consciousness, try and, you know, uh, understand how and why I was thinking what I was thinking and why I really got into this funk. I was there. It was worse than a funk. It was this deep depression. And um, in 2017, November 2017, our house had been on the market for five years. It finally sold. And my wife jumped on a plane to go to Toronto, Ontario, Canada to visit family and friends. And 
we were in this little one bedroom rental apartment in the city. And I sat down at the kitchen table and I planned out my suicide and I crafted my suicide note. And I was planning it out for about three months uh, to ensure that my wife would be financially okay. I could say goodbye to family and friends without them knowing what I was going to do. And um, so this, this process I went through, uh, I learned all kinds of great new things, but it didn't get me out of this depressed state. I just kept getting uh, deeper into this. And I was just done with life. It seemed like, you know, it seemed like life had no purpose other than misery. And when we traveled to Europe, I was, you know, really happy. I love going to Europe and looking at the museums and seeing the architecture and stuff. But, you know, when I got to day-to-day life, I was just this miserable misery. And, um, and so <clears throat> about a week prior to me sitting in the kitchen table, some information fortuitously arrived uh, in my life and it promised to liberate me from my thinking if I followed it. And although I grew up agnostic, um, I had this little nagging doubt that I'd be going to a bad place if I committed suicide. And I thought, okay, well, I was looking for any sliver of hope to keep going. Uh, I'll give this one more try. I'll, I'll read this material, I'll study it. And if it doesn't make a difference, I can always commit suicide. So I'll push out my suicide uh, date. And um, so I started on this process of reading this material and studying it. And um, a year later, so be November, 2018, you know, I just, I woke up one morning and, and my depression was totally gone. I was just, I was full of inner peace and love and joy. And I felt totally prosperous and abundant, even though nothing had changed in my external environment. And uh, 18 months or 13 months after, so late December, 2018, so I'm 58 at this point, I went into two meditations, two days apart. And um, as I went into this meditation, I went through these higher states of vibrational frequency of consciousness and the spiritual energy flowed in through my head and it filled my body. And then it just totally enveloped me in unconditional love. And it's a, it's an unconditional love that we don't even have the human language to describe. I felt like totally supported, um, non-judged for anything I had done in the past. I didn't care about what aches and pains my body had, what illnesses it had. I didn't care what anybody had done to me in the past or what I had done to them. I just, I felt totally cradled and supported in this unconditional love. And uh, I wanted to stay there forever. And I came out of that meditation. And two days later, I had the exact same meditation. At that point, I knew that the new knowledge I gained and the process I followed is our truth. And uh, I just wanted to share that with everybody. I I didn't have the language to describe and share, but I wanted to get on the rooftops and, you know, kind of shout it to the world. And I thought, I'll be looked at like an idiot if I do that. So, (laughs) so I thought, okay, well, just I'll put that in abeyance. And um, took me a couple of years to figure out the best way to do it is to write a book, share my story, Uh, be candid with that story so that people can understand these links uh, between your thinking and what manifests in your life and uh, give them the opportunity to follow the process I followed and to see if it resonates with them. And if it does, you know, if you, so my recommended way to read a higher road is read it cover to cover, understand the process in its entirety, 
If it resonates with you, go back and start with some of the science material or directly with step one. If it doesn't, either put the book on the shelf to read in five, 10, 15 years, or, you know, just give it to somebody else without any colorful commentary and let them discover for themselves whether this will work for them. And the reason I say that is because we can never accurately judge the inner reality of another person. Someone who comes across really affable and kind and considerate may actually be a mess inside because we're all great actors in our environment. So give them the chance to see whether it works for them, whether it resonates with you or not. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got to writing the book and wanting to share it with the world. Well, your first step is about stretching your consciousness. And this is really interesting because on the show, we talk a lot about consciousness, what that means. What do you mean by stretching your consciousness? So for me, uh, and we all do this, but, you know, I'm going to pick on me being an engineer here. Um, you know, I know what's right, wrong, good, bad, true or false, like in, in my past, right? And uh, so if somebody was saying something to me and I disagreed with it, yeah, I might be a kind and say, yes, okay, I can see your point of view. But inside I'd be going, ah, no, no, that's totally wrong. And um, I used to think that what I thought was entirely in my brain, that it was something that I learned or was exposed to or, you know, kind of um, uh, experienced. And as I went through this process of these uh, various books, uh, of science books, what I, what I came to understand was everything that I think as right or wrong, good or bad, true or false, is really just a belief. And we program our subconscious and our unconscious mind with these beliefs that we adopt in childhood that are influenced from our family, our places of origin, our religion, our, or lack of religion, or, you know, our culture, our parents, and um, they become embedded in this, in our subconscious and unconscious mind. And what we do is we reinforce those beliefs over a lifetime as we grow up. So we think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world, but really what we're doing is we're shutting our soul off from the light and we're letting our ego, our egoic mind take control of our lives through this subconscious programming. And uh, so first off, I had to believe, I, I came to understand that, okay, you know, what I think is right or wrong, true, good or bad, true or false, really just a belief. Then I needed to, um, go through this process of understanding that my consciousness is not only in my brain, but it was throughout my body and that what I think about affects, um, you know, my health or, and well-being. I can either promote the well-being of a cell or be contrary to it. So then I make this link. And then uh, I came to understand that consciousness is not only in my brain and in my body, but it's all around me. And I now see consciousness and, and there's, I take people through this expanded step process, but uh, I saw conscious, I see consciousness as this um, stream of thoughts that go by my awareness. And we do this in a nanosecond, we pick a thought out of that stream, we look at it, we examine it, if it is consistent with our patterns of thinking and feeling that we've programmed, we keep it, and we think about it, and we dial on it. And if it's uh, not consistent with that, we throw it back in the stream and away it goes. And uh, so, you know, this is what I, you know, has come to that. And then 
uh, I read a book by an author about a near-death experience that actually just stretched it even more. I mean, part of her experience was that uh, she uh, felt as she was in this near-death experience state that uh, she was becoming part of everything in the universe, a rock, a tree, uh, another person. And, um, and so reading of her book stretched my understanding of consciousness to this, you know, her, her explanation was consciousness is imbued in everything. And, and when you finish all seven steps, you're going to have even a, an expanded understanding of what this means. But, um, so she says consciousness is in everything. And then, uh, as I finished going through all the seven steps, I came to understand that, uh, we are not matter imbued with consciousness. We are consciousness made visible through the descent of vibrational frequency of electrical particles. And, uh, everything that you see, touch, feel, know that you think is solid. You know, we go through some science here, but you think is solid is not really solid at all. It is actually consciousness taking on this material form. And, um, so consciousness to me is, is, is our reality and, uh, it is, it is bigger than what we think and our thinking and our feeling, um, you know, kind of affects everything in our life and draws or manifests these various events and experiences that come into our life. Well, I'm really fascinated, Neil, have you studied quantum physics? Um, yeah, I've, well, I haven't studied it as like an engineering study, but yes, I have. And, um, would you like to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah. My son, uh, studies theoretical physics. He's a student at Waterloo. And, uh, so we're both fascinated by physics and, and how it relates to consciousness as well. But yeah, tell me your thoughts. Well, so in, um, in the seven step process, you're going to learn enough about what we know in materialistic science today that's going to help you bridge this gap between spirituality and science. But quantum physics, so quantum physics, you know, my understanding of it is they're on the outer edge of the discipline of science, and that some of those uh, folks, unfortunately, are shunned by materialistic scientists. And quantum physics really comes to, you know, down to understanding that um, our thinking um, affects, so, elect- so electrons in, in, uh, in an atom, they, they surround the nucleus of the atom and they appear and they disappear. And science doesn't understand where they go and why they come back. And they, they kind of come back in this, what science considers to be this random probabilistic manner. And um, there's experiments that are done that that show, uh, or this might be a thought experiment in quantum physics. Uh, I can't remember this, but um, that show that you know if you put Geiger counters around in a room and you release an electron in that room, it will show up in this random pattern that cannot be predicted. And then you get a bunch of people together that meditate on the same thing and have focus. All of a sudden, that electron starts to show up in a pattern. Because the thinking, the uh, consciousness thinking of the meditators affect the materialization of where that electron shows up. And so quantum physics is really this, this thing that describes our reality as a probabilistic um, event. 
and that you at any time have the ability to shape what will be materialized. How's that for, I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very interesting the way you explain it. I really like that. Hey, Mindful Tribe, Bruce here. I'm jumping in to ask you a question, Mindful Tribe. Are you experiencing anxiety, stress, discouragement? Well, that's exactly where a lot of my clients were when they reached a breaking point and decided to contact me to talk about how hypnosis can work to bring about a new state of calm and focus. Do you feel like you're spinning in circles and struggling to feel good? Hypnosis is a method that's been around for years and a lot of mindfulness mode listeners have connected with me, they've done sessions with me, and now they're experiencing a new level of peace. If you're hearing this right now, take it as a sign that this is the time for you to connect with me to talk about how to move forward so that you'll feel grounded and centered and be able to fully embrace mindfulness in your life. Email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com with I believe in me in the subject line. We'll connect on a Zoom call and we will talk about how this can work for you. Now, back to the show. One of your seven steps involves meditating, and I know that you are a meditator, so I'm I'm really interested in, in your meditation practice. You explained a little bit of it in the book as well, but can you tell us how your meditation practice has progressed and grown? Yeah, so in the 90s, um, I'm going to back up, give people context. In the 90s, uh, I learned a bunch of various meditations because, you know, it promotes all kinds of good things that we all know about lower blood pressure, less anxiety, less stress, those kinds of things. There's, you know, a bunch of things that everybody says meditation helps with. So in the 90s, I picked up a bunch of very, I tried a bunch of various meditations and they were all good. And, uh, you know, I learned some stuff and there's such a varying amount of meditations and I never really understood completely how and why it worked or why one meditation was better than another. And, you know, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, for instance, has a whole tape on various meditations and I tried all mm-hmm. of them, I think. And, um, I was spotty with my meditation, uh, you know, tried it, did it, could meditate for 10, 20 minutes and, you know, and, uh, but never really felt any significant difference with the meditation. And, um, it wasn't until I went through this process that I actually understood the, the, the um, purpose of meditation. And the real purpose of meditation is to enable you to connect back to source, whether you call it God or Yahweh, the Tao, our creator, universal being, whatever you want to call it. And the real purpose of that is to meditate back. So the meditation that you're going to learn if you go through these seven steps And you will learn this meditation later in the process. And the reason is because you need to understand a bunch of new concepts and new knowledge so that you understand your target and why you're going into this kind of a meditation. But uh, what you're going to learn is you're going to learn to go into the silence and stillness of your mind. And our creator is uh, so... I'm going to make this link and I'm not suggesting you're necessarily going to grasp this right at the moment. You might, but anyway, before the big bang is consciousness and consciousness is made up of two primary impulses, two primary uh, 
energy, basic energy and two primary impulses that are opposing forces. And they're locked in this mutual embrace of uh, together. And um, one is to move out and create, and the other is to give form to creation, to experience it. And they're locked in this embrace. At the time of the Big Bang, these impulses were torn apart. The Before the Big Bang, our uh, creator, call it God, call it Yahweh, call it the universal, um, is locked in this embrace. And it is in silence and stillness. And it is... Uh, uh, so spiritually refined in meaning and uh, at such a high vibrational uh, a high vibrational frequency that we can it it emits to us unconditional love unstintingly 24 7 but we cannot make itself it cannot make itself known to us because our human vibrational frequency of consciousness is at such a low ebb that it cannot enter into us and make itself known to us until we begin to go through this process of learning how to go into the silence and stillness of our mind and start to raise our vibrational frequency so the true purpose of meditation is to go into this silence and stillness of your mind to go through this process to reach to to connect with our source of being and when that happens you'll feel this inflow of this spiritual energy coming and it will help you continue this process of cleansing and uh, rebuilding your consciousness and um so my meditation practice is and you start with 10 minutes and move on to whatever you want uh i meditate every morning between 90 minutes and two hours and I enter into this state where I stop all of my thoughts. And I know people will say, I can't do that. I can tell you, you can do it. It just takes some practice and you can do it. And when you do this over time, what will happen is you'll feel this spiritual inflow of energy. And then when you continue with this process and, and you know, I'm now in my fourth year of this, um, you can go into the silence and stillness just in a moment. And you can feel the spiritual inflow of energy and it inspires you and it directs you and it, it supports you and you have free will. <laughs> you can choose to do something else. You can choose to think differently. This is this whole evolutionary process of the soul that I touch on in my book. And you will learn more about if you go through the seven steps. And, um, and if you, you know, our minds are made for this very special purpose of making this connection back with the divine and having the divine flow into us, inspire us, and promote our well-being and health through being this expression of unconditional love to everyone and everything in our environment, and to let it do its will in us and through us. And um, our egos is a, a tool of the divine to create individuality, separateness out of the wholeness and the unity of the divine, to enable the divine to experience uh, things that are contrary to unconditional love, all of these feelings and um, uh, experiences of things that are not our source of being. Uh, and and then bring this back to the divine. So this is part of this evolutionary process of the soul as, as our souls come here and learn these lessons in the school we call Earth. 
you're on quite a journey that you describe in your book. And I mentioned before I hit record that I always ask a question about bullying on the show. And I know that you've had some challenging times in your life. Do you have a story that you can share with us about bullying? Maybe it involves yourself, maybe when you were younger, or maybe when you're older as an adult, but a story where mindfulness would have made a difference. I'm going to share a story that I, uh, not necessarily about myself, but about something I observed. And I could share stories about myself, but you know, let me do this third party observation in a moment. We lived in this really small community, uh, south of Vancouver, British Columbia, growing up back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> we had a school, because uh, grade one to four, two blocks away from our house. And you know, the older school, like to go to five to seven, had to go on a bus. Anyway, I was coming home from school. So I don't know how old I was, uh, you know, maybe grade three. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a black child. So a a black family moved into this community back in the 60s uh, of, you know, all white people. And there was this black child and he was older than me. uh, So maybe he was in grade five or grade six. I don't know. And I was walking home from school and there were three older white boys, the same age as this black boy. And they were degrading this. They made them kneel down on the ground. I don't want to get into all kinds of specifics on this, but they made them kneel into the ground and they were spitting on them and they were calling them names. And I was like, you know, in grade three, I skirted, but I felt sorry for that kid. Like he didn't deserve that. Even at the time, I felt like this is like, these kids should not be doing this. But I thought if I intervened, I'll get the, you know, crap kicked out of me. So I avoided it. And, you know, um, you know, part of me right now would say, you know, I kind of wish as that little boy, I would have had the uh, fortitude to step up and say, stop that and, and try and do something even if I got beat up. But, you know, I didn't. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was a lesson that, you know, has stuck with me about how we treat other people and um you know kind of the the heart i don't know it's just it's a it's a horrible thing that we do this and we do this subtly and we do it overtly you know there's there's many types of this kind of um abuse if you want to call it that way and um but when you go through this process and you understand um that the this ego is just this ego is a divinely ordained process to create this individuality out of the wholeness and unity and to create this separation. And then the ego only uses these mechanics of the universe to uh, bring us uh, peace and joy and love or to keep us uh, safe and secure. And the ego, when it's allowed to run rampant, it can develop into this psychologically abusive or sick behavior that people express to one another in this materialized form. And uh, so when I see someone today, what I see is I see their soul is perfect. Their soul is unconditional love. Their soul is equal to my soul. And all the things that they're doing that we may consider to be reprehensible is really just this process of the, of the um, ego, the tool of the ego to create these rebound forms that come back to burden and wound that person um, to uh, go through this process and this experience to help them wake up, to come back to their truth. 
And I, you know, I mean, I have shortcuts so much <laughs> about what you'll learn when you do this. So that might make no sense for anybody, but uh, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that story. It sounds like a memory that would be quite haunting. And I know you have a bunch of memories that are quite haunting from, from what you shared in the book. But as we move forward in the interview, I wanna ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence to you in your life? Uh, my wife, actually my current wife. She's very mindful, yep. very considerate, very, very mindful. Yep, she's a good mirror for me. <laughs> That's great. That's great. My second question is about your emotions and how mindfulness has changed the way you deal with your emotions. When you go through this process, mindfulness is, is part of the tool of helping me be aware of what I'm doing in the moment and every conscious thinking, but actually understanding this foundational stuff allows that mindfulness to actually i just have a different perspective of it so it's actually becomes more powerful for me than without knowing what i now know about our our truth of being or our source where we come from and why we're here right thank you i want to talk about breathing we haven't mentioned that or touched on that subject uh let's talk about how breathing has been maybe something that has changed the way you manage your life has breathing and mindfulness uh been something that you've dealt with differently since you focused on mindfulness yeah absolutely so when you are say you're anxious or um you know kind of at a heightened state of anxiety whether that's something that's excited or fearful for example uh if you can stop and bring your breath and be conscious and aware of your breath and slow it. Um, the, the mind controls the body, uh, the breath controls the mind. And so if you can actually breathe and you can start to control uh, the anxiety and subdue the anxiety, whatever the source of that is. So it, it, breathing is very important um uh in terms of you know the whole process of of getting control of your uh your thinking your book is called a higher road do you have any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness and i know of course from reading your your book that you you talk about a bunch of other books but tell our listeners right now what you would recommend i think the first thing um and it's and it's not a direct link, uh, but it is something that you need to learn. And that's a, a book called Virus of the Mind by Richard Brody. It's a, it's a book about memes and um, it's, it's got this link and it's subtle, but when you go through the process of reading his book, um, you will understand about how, you know, uh, we let uh, these memes, um, you know, kind of affect our lives unknowingly, unwittingly and ignorantly. And that what you believe is really just, or what you think is right or wrong, good or bad, true or false is really just a belief. And if, um, so I'll add to that just for a moment here, you know, if what you think you feed your body, your nutrition is important for your body and it is, 
I can tell you that what you feed your mind is more important for your overall health and well-being than what you feed your body. So start to pay attention to what movies you watch, what you pay attention to, what news you read. All of these things, if they are contrary to unconditional love, if they are, if they are hateful, vengeful, denigrating, critical, judgmental of others, all of these things create these uh, uh, blueprints of uh, consciousness that will rebound and bring you lessons that you need to learn that you will consider to be negative and, and you don't want in your life. So what you feed your mind is really important. Well, it sure is. And I remember reading about that in your book when you talked about this book. I have not read Virus of the Mind, but Mindful Tribe, check it out, Virus of the Mind. And it is a book about memes. And so this sounds like a very interesting read. I'm looking forward to reading it myself. Now, uh, I want to ask you about apps. Are there any apps that you would recommend or suggest for anybody who wants to become more grounded, more focused, more of a sense of mindfulness in their life? Um, no, I can't recommend any apps at all myself. I, um, you know, I think the most important thing is to learn, learn some of this new knowledge and learn to meditate. And, you know, meditation, when you learn the right meditation and how and why you're doing it, that will bring you, in my opinion, that will bring you uh, to a place of being the most mindful you could ever be. Yeah, and I agree with you, Neil. I totally agree with you that once you embrace meditation on whatever level, even if it's just for a, a minute or two minutes at first, it's really important to move into that road of, of including meditation in your life, because it can really make a huge difference, that's for sure. Now, as we wrap up the interview, Neil, I want to ask you for just a word of advice to anybody who might be listening today who really wants to grab a hold of this concept of mindfulness. They would really like to move on a higher road and reach a new level of, of well, happiness and, you know, just more bliss in their lives. What would your words of advice be to that person? All of the safety, the security, the peace, the love, the joy that you are seeking, it's all inside of you. And what you need to do is you need to learn um, some new knowledge and you learn, need to learn the process to unlock it and bring it to the bear. And you know, when you understand that everything that you see is merely a reflection of your beliefs, and if you change your beliefs, you change what you see. And uh, if you can come from this centered point, this, this, this internal place, uh, connecting back with your soul, you will experience and transform your life into the most beautiful, peaceful, loving, kind state of experience, no matter what's going on in the world around you. Great words. Neil, thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today. And before we actually uh, finish the call, I want to mention to everybody that your website is dnealelliot.com. dnealelliot.com. So check it out. And again, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you, Bruce. It's a pleasure being here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. I'm sure we will. Bye now. Bye-bye. 
Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks again for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. And as I mentioned halfway through, I talked about... I talked about anxiety and stress and discouragement. Is this something that you are experiencing? Is this something you're going through? Are you spinning around in circles and struggling a little bit in your life? Well, hypnosis can help. It's helped so many of my past clients and I believe it can help you too. So what I suggest is email me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com. In the subject line, put I believe in me and we will jump on a Zoom call. We'll talk about how hypnosis can work for you and we'll go from there. So with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness. Stay in the mode.